This is The Shift Podcast. I'm Shane Hewitt. We have Ryan O'Donnell and Matt MacArthur here as well on the Shift Daily Podcast today. We recap the show a little bit. Are you okay with hordes of rats, or any rats at all for that matter, let's be honest. Uh, Candy Masks is in there too. We did a new thing called Throwback Thursday. We traveled back to 1983 for news, TV, commercials, and Matt, so a pack of smokes in 1983 if you had to ballpark it i don't know what would you throw it at i would guess at 77 cents plus in case you missed it with me ryan sneakers o'donnell i'm going to bring you through some sneaker news christmas sneaker news don't worry uh some new swear word tv shows and a new whale species don't forget the shift daily podcast available for you please share it with your friends like it and all those things should we do uh how's our moon dial there maddie we're good for some rooks. Uh yeah, yeah, the uh the phases are now uh in phase, they're not out of phase and uh everything is lined up uh astrologically, astronomically and a bunch of other things. So yeah, we're good to go. All right, are you okay? Are you okay with rats? No, no one's okay with rats. Nah. They're, no. you, you know who's not okay with rats? Who's not okay Who? with rats? Indiana Jones. <laughs> Ooh. Hey, did you know for that movie, they bred all of those rats, specifically catacomb scene? Every single one of those rats was like born, you know, within the same period. So they could all be raised on how to deal with that confined little tunnel in that movie. No really? way. Yeah. Yeah. There's rat breeders for movies. So maybe rat breeders are okay with rats. I personally am not. So I'm I'm guessing uh, I'm just going to say Spielberg because I can't remember who directed Last Crusade. But like, yep. let's just say Spielberg for the mention of this. I, we can correct it, edit it later. Who cares? But um, <laughs> yeah, just like Spielberg being, okay, we need rats. We need to find somebody. We need to pay somebody to breed all these rats for this less than one minute shot in the film. Mm -hmm. Go. Worth it. <laughs> yeah. You got it so, and it was worth it. What does your business card say? Does it say rat pimp? Rat, uh, <laughs> maybe a rat midwife? No. Yeah. Rat connoisseur? A connoisseur? Doula. Do rat doula. Do you, do you help with the little... Little rat babies. I don't know. Anyway, that's weird. That got weird. Workers at an upper Manhattan Chipotle restaurant say they've been fighting a losing battle against hordes of hungry rats as a management team that let the infestation get so bad that four staffers have been bitten by massive rodents. It seems Chipotle is a popular restaurant among rats, as who could forget the rats falling from a ceiling in a Dallas Chipotle. This is a story from NBC News back in 2017. Some cell phone video from a Chipotle in Dallas obtained by our NBC affiliate in that area shows multiple rodents falling from the ceiling of a Chipotle on Tuesday, crawling on the floor and the wall. That follows some reports of more customers falling ill this week at a location in Virginia. A spokesperson gives a statement saying, quote, we learned yesterday that mice got into a restaurant and we immediately contacted professionals who identified a small structural gap in the building as the likely access point. We're having it repaired. Additionally, we reached out to the customer to make things right. This is an extremely isolated and rare incident, certainly not anything we'd ever want our customers to encounter. Stock's not responding too much, down about half a percent. Oh, I still think it's gross, what you bargained man. for. 
Oh, it's so gross. Um, yeah, it is so gross. There are different types of rats. You got the human type, and you got the ones that go on the ground. <laughs> yeah. um, would a uh, would that person be a rat wrangler? Was the text? Maybe. Perhaps I I would say because birth is involved in breeding and tr- probably training. Maybe a rat doula, rat uh, co-parent. Rat co-parent. All I know is that like if there's one thing that rats and humans have in common, at least where Chipotle is concerned, is that they all love a good burrito. They apparently do. Clearly. <laughs> all right. They, I mean, everything seems to happen to that restaurant chain. It's my goodness. All right. Are look. you okay? Are you okay with candy masks? Is it like a, a candy mask necklace? made out of candy? Like those candy necklaces. Um, I mean, it, if it's got the word candy in it, yeah, I'm okay with it. Is it? Um, no, I was thinking of the edible like products from San Francisco that we were talking about earlier. Oh, in the week. like the, the the undies and stuff. Yeah, but uh, now that we're talking masks here, I'm okay with candy masks as long as you can, you know, I guess as long as you're the one eating it and not anybody else. Um, there's a there's a comedian does a stand up, and I wish I remember who it was. It might have been Larry the Cable Guy or one of those guys from Blue Collar comedy and he talks about going on a first date he stops at a gas station to to get some gum and stuff like that and then they had some flowers at the at the till so he bought a flower and then um he tells he goes on to tell the story about how he gets to his first date and he hands the flower and it's just as he's handing the flower over to his first date he realizes it's not actually a flower it's one of those wrapped up edible underwears to look like a flower oh <laughs> what a way That's to how, make a statement yeah. hello <laughs> Larry the Cable Guy. Wow. I don't, I don't know if that one was Larry the Cable Guy, but it was one of the guys that is often in around blue collar. And I wish I could remember which one did it. Anyway, it's a fantastic story. I can't imagine that feeling in your brain when you're going like, no, that's not a flower. But then you're committed <laughs> at that point. That's not a flower. Not a flower. Was it Jeff that Foxworthy? No uh, I don't think so. He doesn't talk about dating very much. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway, still. Don't do it. Be careful what you buy. Uh, Mahesh Bandy, candy mask story, a physicist with the nonlinear and non-equilibrium physics unit. That's where all the good parties happen, clearly. Uh, graduate university, Ana Okinawa, has found a way to produce N95 type respirator filters that is less expensive and quicker than conventional approaches. Okay, the technique involves heating ordinary plastics, such as bottles or shopping bags, putting them into ordinary cotton candy machine, known as candy floss, the machine spins the plastic into a material similar to cotton candy, which also could be electrocharged by the spinning. Now, BYU published this video back in October explaining what happens while similar to the cotton candy technique, never actually mentioning cotton candy once making masks the same way. What we've been working on in this lab is electrospinning nanofiber membranes to use as masks to filter out particles and things such as viruses. N95 mask supply is running short right now, and there aren't very many things that you can use to get the same filtration. So this is a nanofiber filter membrane. It actually stretches quite a bit, and you can breathe through it. We're trying to create a process so that people can coat the masks that they already have with our nanofibers so that they can be more protected. We're taking existing masks and just upgrading them. This process will make available more effective masks to more people. The process we use is called electrospinning. We take a liquid polymer, which we then push through a tube at high voltage, and it stretches this polymer nice and thin into nanofibers. We then spray these nanofibers across a material 
evenly, but in a random manner in which it creates a nice filter. Because we use such a high voltage to create these nanofibers, they retain kind of a static charge. Tiny particles will be statically attracted to the mask and will not be able to go through the mask. You've got basically trillions and trillions of fibers here and the static electricity, the same stuff that will make it cling to my finger, is the same stuff that captures all these particulate. This material is great for masks because it's excellently breathable. Current N95 masks are, are hot, they're hard to breathe through. You can have the best mask in the world, but if you won't wear it because it's uncomfortable, it's worthless. How disappointing would any child be to walk in on a tour of that place, see all these cotton candy machines, and then they're like, oh no, we use recycled bottles to make masks. That's not fun. What a shame. I, if I was a child, you'd feel betrayed. That's like that's the kind of moment as a kid where they see a cotton candy machine and they just immediately get disappointed anywhere they are in life because they'll never forget that time mommy told them, hey, we're going to see cool cotton candy stuff. And then it was N95 respirators. Right. Although high five for ingenuity and cool science. Super yes. cool. Love it. Matt MacArthur, uh, you had uh, something you wanted to share with us before we went away to break. Uh, yes, uh, a little bit of a correction. Uh, Indiana Jones was actually frightened of snakes. His father, played by the late Sean Connery, rest in peace, did not like rats. Thank you very much. Also, Nighthawk Steve said it was Larry the Cable Guy from the Blue Collar Tour and the underwear wrapped up like a flower. Thank you very much, Shift Heads, for all the help. This is the Shift Podcast. What do you remember from the year as the biggest story out of 1983? 1983. What do you remember as the biggest thing that happened in 1983? Now, that could be anything. It could be a, a toy. It could be a, a news story. What do you remember in 1983? I'm also curious on your text messages. Maybe you could throw in there how old you were in 1983. That would be that would be kind of curious for me too. 877-399-9898. Love to hear your phone calls so we can reminisce a little bit why it's Throwback Thursday officially now, as is Thursday everywhere across the country. And we thought it might be fun to take a little look backwards in time at what happened so many years ago. So I will start 1983. I was eight. Uh, I was plus eight. Let's just say that way, because I think we need to have a minus number here. How old were you in 1983, Ryan? I was minus, uh, you know, I got into journalism because I can't do math. So I was minus a number that is larger than 10. That's how old I was. All yeah. right. Matt MacArthur yeah. in 1983, were you, uh, what were you for ages? I was minus zero years old. Oh, it's the big year for Matt MacArthur, hey? Yeah, things, uh, you know, things wouldn't really take off until 1984 for, uh, for this guy mm. right here. What does that mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> Things went well. It's, you started a started so strong. You conceived in '83. Is that what you're saying? And then you were born in '84. Yeah, no, I was born in '84. Oh, okay. That's cool. when things really it. took off for this guy's career. Right, I get it. Okay, cool. So you know, yeah, you were just uh, swimming. Really, I, I was just a sparkle in my daddy's eye. There it is. All right. So this year, 1983, uh, Throwback Thursday. Um, what is the biggest, absolute biggest story that you remember from 1983? Texas says, Hey, 1983, my daughter was born. See, just before Matt, 
What's the biggest story from 1983? Throwback Thursday, 877-399-9898. What's your memory? Share it with us, please. Okay, so let's get started with some news in 1983. And it was just so happened that we uh, we fumbled upon a bit of a news story. Ryan was digging in the vaults from news in December 1983 and found this global TV story about uh, an interview with a 116-year-old man named David Trumbull, 116 years old in 1983. Uh, quick math, that would be, what, 77, 1867? Yep. Holy cow. Wow. Uh, he shared with Global in this report how he lived so long. Maybe feeble, but his mind is sharp and his opinion strong. When it comes to politics, he says he'd rather die than be a liberal and says John A. MacDonald was his favorite prime minister. Did you know him? Yeah. Personally? Quite well. What was he like? He was a very American man. How does he do it? Trumbull is a moderate drinker and an avid outdoorsman, and he used to drink a mixture of ginseng and castor oil regularly. But to Trumbull, it's what you don't do that keeps you young. Well, mind your own business, one thing. Linda Richards, Global News in Belleville. And finally, I'm sure you've heard of the Gallup poll. Well, now a radio station in Emmitsburg, Iowa, is preparing for its cesspool. The townspeople will be asked who they prefer in the presidential campaign. When the candidate of their choice is mentioned, they're told to go to the bathroom and register their opinion by flushing the toilet. By measuring the water level drop in the city's water tower, the radio station can determine public sentiment. Now, that's our review of events and issues this week. Next week on Christmas Day, a special edition of Global News Week, a review of the major events in Canada during 1983. And the following Sunday, New Year's Day, we'll look back on major news events around the world over the past year. I'm Everett Banning, and for all of us at Global News Week, have a good week and a good night. That's an interesting, interesting perspective. I don't think he was a moderate drinker, old uh, David Trumbull, by the sound of it. Well, he didn't have any teeth. I actually found the video, and he did not have any teeth. So he was able to get some words out. I think he was living on pure stubbornness. You know, he just, I'm not ready to go yet, so I'm not going anywhere. I think that's how David kept going. When you're friends with Sir John A. MacDonald... That's some good Which stories. Is insane. Right? And 1983, friends with Sir John A. MacDonald. Think about that. He he watched Canada's founding. Like he literally saw its birth, World War One, World War II, financial collapse, the the entire change of modern civilization. This guy just sat through all of it in Canada. And 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 still a staunch conservative till the day he died. That's kind of incredible when you think about it. Yeah, it is. Um, okay, eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight. Your calls, your text messages. Nineteen eighty three. Um, the oil J, the Oilers won their first Stanley Cup in nineteen eighty three. Thank you very much for the text message. Uh, before we move on from the news, um, just to throw you back to watching some some global news stuff. Um, this this is a uh, this is sort of the the music from the TV channel back then. Hey, high tech. Listen. You know, if you you took a, a, a dark haul in about 1997, 
and you played that some glow sticks you could probably charge 20 bucks ahead people would show up that sounds like craft work or something <laughs> craft work <laughs> industrial yeah they were ahead of the curve at global tv <laughs> nice. i love it maybe we should make that our news intro i want it i'm gonna yeah. i'm gonna save that all right december 1983 prime minister pierre trudeau confirmed jean sauve as Canada's first woman head of state. It is right and proper that Her Majesty should finally have a woman representative here. I am happy and proud to participate in this momentous event, the installation of our first woman Governor General. We're gathered today to celebrate a remarkable person, but also a welcome evolution of our society. In fact, for this historic event to take place, a natural candidate for the position had to be available at the appropriate time. The time is appropriate because our modern society is increasingly aware that women's qualities of mind and heart are every bit as valuable as men's and that we need their fresh approach and commitment to peace and mutual support in order to establish a more humane society in Canada and throughout the world. <laughs> a lot less us than his son, huh? <laughs> <laughs> he had the public speaking chops a little bit more refined there. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. All right. I was 24 in 1983 and was drinking the beer. Don't remember how much. Colleen, the church lady. <laughs> Thanks, Colleen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that might be the best, my favorite text message of all time. Of all time, the beer. The beer. Doesn't matter what beer. The beer. Thanks, the beer. <laughs> uh, thank you very much, Colleen, for the text message. 877-399-9898. Let's throw back to 1983. And uh, Canadian Tire was making commercials. And you might not recognize the product. Maybe you will. But um, just listen for, A, it's Canadian Tire. B, the price and the way they do it. Thanks to Canadian Tire, everyone's in the spirit of Christmas. Not quite everyone. But Ebenezer, think of all the money you'll save at Canadian Tire. Mmm. Get the 10-pack of Bic razors for only $1.33, or Bic lighters for just 77 cents each. And this reusable hot-touch portable heating pad is only 89 cents. So I can save that much? Come on, give it a try. Fa-la-la-la-la. La-la-la. Canadian Tire lets you give like Santa. And save like Scrooge. It's a good commercial, though. That one stuck around for a long time, that marketing campaign. It's an awesome tagline for Christmas shopping. Brilliant. I'm looking how much is a multi-pack of Bic uh, um, razors. 10-pack for $1.33. You hmm. can get a uh, uh, Bic five-count disposable razors at walmart.ca for $4.49. You can get a three-pack for $12 at Canadian Tire of the fancier disposables. So there you go. That's the difference of inflation right there. 877-399-9898 in Winnipeg. It's Keith. Hi, Keith. Oh, hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, pretty good. Always a great show. Thanks, buddy. Um, 1983, two things that I remember. Mm -hmm. I remember 1983, it was the month of February, NHL All-Star Game, uh, the Campbell Conference and the Wales Conference. I was 18 back then, and Wayne Gretzky scored four goals all in the third period for the Campbell Conference, and he was the MVP of the game. 
Very cool. Good memory. And one other thing. In the spring of 1983, the New York Islanders won their fourth in a row and their final Stanley Cup. It, I was watching on uh, YouTube the other night. It brought back memories. So the Oilers had an outstanding team, but unfortunately for them, it would be one more year before they'd win the Stanley Cup. Before they picked it up. Very cool. I love it. Thank you very much, Keith, for the memories. Well, okay, have, a, have a good night. You too, 877-399-9898. What do you remember from 1983? Um, Ken in Cash Creek. I was 14. Broke my leg tobogganing with 10 friends on a waterbed mattress. Damn rock got in my way. <laughs> Darn I'm not laughing at your broken leg. Right? But, I mean, that's a funny story in hindsight. Please laugh at that, Ken. So I don't think I'm laughing at you. Um, 1983. Uh, Bic lighters, that was what, 77 cents for those Bic yep. lighters. That's a good deal. Uh, um, all right, let's go back to this commercial from McDonald's in Canada in 1983. There's nothing like all A's. McDonald's. And there's nothing like the taste of McDonald's. McDonald's and here. There's nothing like a hat trick, even now. And there's nothing like the taste of a Big Mac. It's still time. Wow. Don't hear those anymore. Holy. Don't hear those. Wow. I think this is cool. Um, okay, so let's throw back to, so we do some movies here before we do some TV shows. Uh, yep. Angel, in 1983, I was 16 and getting married. Wow. 877-399-9898. Iconic movies. December 1983, this cult classic was released. Okay, so what do you call yourself? Eh? Como se llama? Antonio Montana. And you? What you call yourself? Where'd you learn to speak the English, Tony? Uh, in a school. And my father, he was uh, from the United States. Yeah, just like you, you know. He was a Yankee. Uh, I used to take me a lot to the movies, you know. I learned. I watched the guys like uh, Humphrey Bogart, James Cagney. They, they teach me to talk. I like those guys. I always know one day I'm coming here, United States. 1980, Miami. They called it Little Havana, where the American dream had a price tag and only one man in a million was hungry enough to pay scarface okay okay do you want to play with us okay hello to my little friend Iconic. Very good choice. Well done, Ryan. Also, scary movies. Uh, this was scary for me. I remember when this one came out. John Carpenter uh, brought us scary movies late in the year past Halloween. 
She lives. What do you mean, came back? She loves. I'm sorry, Arnie, I can't. She's a beauty. I know you're jealous. She's a beast. The kid was cut in half, Arnie. She's a killer. The riot is over. She's a 58 Fury. She's Christine. You ain't mad, are you? Christine. She's hell on wheels. Rated R. Starts Friday at a theater near you. Scary Haunted Cars. I remember that one. My mom, uh, my mom didn't like that movie very much. I remember that. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Okay. 877-399-9898. Uh, hey, my VCR was two years old. <laughs> I like that one. Uh, 1983, I turned 16, got my driver's license that day, says Trucker Kevin. Clearly, that was a, a good choice for you there, Trucker Kevin. Uh, to pass that one on. Okay. Um, in 1983, I was in grade 10 watching the A-Team, Knight Rider, and Magnum P.I. Let's get a clip of the iconic action show A-Team. In 1972, a crack commando unit was sent to prison by a military court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security stockade to the Los Angeles underground. Today, still wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the A-Team. Eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight. I was twenty years old in nineteen eighty three and graduated college. Thank you for the text message. All right, for other TV shows, um, different strokes for different folks. Silver Spoons, they were all going strong in nineteen eighty three. Saturday, Arnold Walms, a would be thief. Make one move and I'll fight your ear off here, Paul. But will the triumph turn to tragedy? Oh no! He shot Daddy. Different strokes. That's the attack of the frog people on Silver Spoons. TJ Hooker, you're dead meat. 877-399-9898. Thanks, John and Courtney, for the correction. The Oilers won the cup in 84, not 83. Uh, yes, it was the 83-84 season. That came in on a text. Uh, I don't want to sound all Sean Hannity, but we never vet our information. <laughs> yeah, we just kind of <laughs> do our own thing here. Yeah. I uh, uh, do trust the text message. Although, for example, uh, this one I do know uh, that comes in. In 1983, I completed the Rubik's Cube for the 625th time. I know that's not true because I do believe the Rubik's Cube didn't come out until 1985. Roughly. Oh, I have mine right here. Ooh. Well, sometimes, you know, the thing, the funny thing that I have found about time is that sometimes years just kind of blend together. They do, right? <laughs> they do. Especially recently. Together. Yeah. Re- recently and historically, just depending on what you do. 2020 has been the longest week of all year, first of all. Um, that's for sure. In 1993, I was 10. I remember watching Return of the Jedi in the theater. What a great movie. Roy from Aurelia. Uh, thank you very much for that one. Jimmy Quitlam. Back in 83, jobs were scarce during some tough economic times. My unemployment checks were almost done. Didn't want to go on welfare. So I signed up for the Canadian Forces for three years. I was 22 years old. Uh, thank you, Jimmy, for sharing that story. 877-399-9898. Um, uh, 1983, was it, was it was not good times. We were living in Port Alberni at the time. There was lots of strikes and shutdowns in the mills in B.C., and uh, it was later, soon to be found, uh, about a year and a half later, that we ended up moving away and going up to Fort McMurray, of all opposites, by the way, in November 
from BC in November to Fort McMurray in November. That was a change. Uh, Catherine says, my son uh, was one and I went back to school and got my grade 12 while fighting salmonella poisoning. Ooh, that sounds busy. CG in Edmonton, what's up? Hi, how are you doing? I'm good, sister. What is uh, What are your thoughts from 1983? Uh, I was 13, teenager, and I was a smoker, and cigarettes were wow. all of 88 cents a pack. A pack? A pack. Wow. Yeah. 13, though. Come on, CG. 13? I've been smoking for three years. Oh, man. <laughs> and, but I really started smoking when I was six. I took my cousin out to the outhouse at the lake, and we stole the cigarette from her mom. And that's when it started. <laughs> wow. Holy we cow. Got caught. My aunt saw, saw the smoke. <laughs> yeah. Smoke at outhouse? <laughs> outhouse is on fire. Yeah. You know, well. Oh, man. See, but I got a lick in. And my, uh, with the hand, and my cousin got a lick in with a switch. Oh, she man. doesn't smoke. Yeah, right? Holy cow. All right. Thank you so much, CG, for the phone call. You bet. Take That's care. a remar- remarkable story. And just the, the word licking, frankly, and switch, uh, 1983, so long ago. Man, have times changed. Holy cow. It's the Shift Podcast. It's time for Ryan O'Donnell. In case you missed it on the radio, here's Ryan O'Donnell. Sneakers O'Donnell. Ding. Oh, guess what? (laughs) I got a sneaker story for all of you today. You know what? Let's just dive into the sneaker story because I've I've put together something kind of special. Uh, If you're if you're just hearing me for the first time, I will just establish that I am a sneaker head. That is the term. I love shoes. I have far too many pairs. And I want more. I always want more. Um, So I talk about them often. So I thought it makes sense if I could introduce talking about sneakers. So I put together a little something to introduce this next pair of shoes that I'm going to uh, uh, talk about because they're Christmas themed. Ooh. So Maddie, uh, you should have a clip there uh, in the Christmas sneakers. And I invite you, please, let me hear that. Okay, here we go. Sneaker. Sneaker. And that's how I'll start talking about shoes now. <laughs> So I like it. long well time. Done. I knew you'd like that one, Shane. I know it's your favorite Christmas song. So I made that special for you. Thank you. All right. Long time skateboard artist, occasional book writer, and he also takes pictures. Sean Cliver is getting a new Nike Dunk collaboration. The Nike Dunk is the sneaker of 2020. It's a classic Nike skateboarding silhouette, but it has made an absurd resurgence. I'm serious. Shoes that cost $120 Canadian reselling for over $2,000. That is the hype behind these shoes. So this pair, it is Christmas themed. It's mostly white. It's got a really nice uh, hits of light blue here and there and a very beautiful golden Nike swoosh. You may be wondering, Ryan, that doesn't sound very Christmassy. Well, it is because you know the little dots on the toes of your shoes, you know, so they can breathe. Mm -hmm. They're arranged in the pattern of a snowflake. 
And then the insole of the shoe has a pattern of a bunch of elves building skateboards. So it uh, plays to Cliver's origins, designing skateboards and the prints that you see underneath them. And it also has a nice little Christmas tint to it. They release on December 19th, $120, currently reselling for $1,900 Canadian. So I will probably not get a pair, unfortunately. However, I do want one. That's cool. Now, right? Check them out. They're a really good looking pair of shoes. Unfortunately, not uh, widely <laughs> available, obviously, but they are very nice. And any collaboration where the artist can take something that they love and put it into a shoe, that's what makes them desirable to collectors and to people who wear them. You know, if he had just said, I like these colors, I'm going to put them on the shoe and this is mine, whatever. No, this is him. He says, I really like putting elves on skateboards when it's Christmas time. So I'm going to put that on my shoe. I'm going to put a snowflake on my shoe. These are colors that rem remind me of my childhood. And now it's his shoe and he gets to share with us. So I love that. It's an artist expressing himself through fashion. And it's amazing. Speaking of expensive. artists. Very expensive, and way right? too expensive. This yep. is an expensive know, habit you have here. Like we really like this is a problem. We should probably talk I know. about this. You should talk okay. to my mom about it because she hates it. <laughs> she, she, she hates it. Uh, but uh, I, I will get better. I haven't bought a shoe, pair of shoes in a while. Uh, in a while, I mean a month. So probably more coming. Uh, back to to artist Nicholas Cage, Oscar winner. Sometimes I laugh whenever I say that out loud, but he has won an Oscar. Uh, and honestly, one of my favorite actors right now, this man has embraced the fact that Hollywood just knows he's this absurd actor. So he plays absurd characters and he is a joy to watch. So Nicolas Cage, we mentioned this earlier in the show, is going to host a new comedic Netflix series that will dive into the origins of swear words. So it's 20 minutes unscripted episodes. Nicolas Cage has been given a blank canvas here, which is a recipe for disaster that I cannot wait to watch. There's going to be many guests, including Sarah Silverman, Nick Offerman, comedian Jim Jeffries. There's a lot of people that are going to be put in the show. There's about six episodes, so Dick's six different words. Uh, here's Nick Cage giving us a sneak peek into the show. I'm not going to tell you what word it is he's describing. You can probably figure that out on your own. It is a thing of great wonder and mystery, quivering with complexity, strength, and resilience. However, also buried within a delicate femininity, and dare I even say, naughtiness. Look one way and you see a gentle feline innocence. Look another way and, oh my. <clears throat> yes, it has the power to stir our souls and intoxicate our minds. Men have died for it. Women have moved in with each other way too soon for it. And to fully capture its essence, we must plunge, unafraid, deep within its enchanted garden. Oh, my friends, we are so close now. Oh, my. Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's painting a picture in there in, in the trailer. Watch it on Twitter. It's it is fantastic and uh, comes out early January, January 5th. And uh, that's going to be the tail end of the Alberta lockdown. So that's a great little binge to get me through those <laughs> those last few days. So thank you, Nick Cage. Dear me. So, is it like a like a Bob Ross venting scenario? Is that what you're kind of getting at? I, uh, well, the fact that there's paintings in the actual trailer and, and multiple paintings, not just the one he's doing, 
I imagine the format of the show will be, yeah, similar to Bob Ross, where he just gets up, he's got a canvas, he probably has the facts and the information on the swear words, but how he presents them is completely up to him. And uh, I think that's fantastic. If you've never seen movies like Vampire's Kiss, where he screams the alphabet, or uh, this new movie, uh, I think it's called Jiu-Jitsu, where he's on a boat and a, a bunch of ninjas like materialize with a bunch of animals and try to kill him. It's absurd, but it's amazing. Nick Cage is a joy to watch. Uh, it's like a guilty pleasure of mine. So this show should be a, a big win for Netflix. Well, I think uh, I think Shane will be a big fan of this because you like to go into into words and what they mean. So, uh, I do. <laughs> so why the study not, of words. So why not find the the most naughtiest words and find out where they came from? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> oh yeah, it's going to be a good one. Yeah, I'm sure this will not be the last you hear of it on this show. <laughs> he's he's not going to watch it. Oh, who me? Yeah. I love it. I love the idea that, um, the, I mean, history of words, I've, you know, I thought about it as a career, right? Like linguistics and stuff like that. It's, um, it's kind of like this dying art, but there's so mm. much history to a one word through the course of time. I like, it would be a lifetime study to know that, well, this word comes from here. And then in this language, it was used here. And then it sort of was sort of manipulated here. And then it became this here. And then we call them chips, right? Like, it's cool stuff, but it's so much. I don't know how anybody could remember all that. It's a it's an art in of itself. Understanding it is a challenge. Uh, and uh, it's funny because profanity and swears are a big part of almost all languages, even though they're, you know, crude. It's how a lot of people communicate. So I think the show will actually probably be very interesting to mm -hmm. hear why we say these words, the connotations behind them why we consider them bad because when you think about it we consider them bad because they're bad words we just decided that they are so to find out why we decided that i think that's why that show is going to be really interesting aside from watching nicholas cage i imagine scream a couple of times maybe smash some stuff uh i wouldn't be surprised if some ninjas or something show up halfway huh. through but i'm all for it all, all right. for it all right moving on like it the playstation 5 i have one I like it a lot. I'm actually thinking on the 16th, it'll be a month since I've had it. I'm going to talk about and give a little wrap up of, is it worth it? But so far, I'm I'm quite enjoying it. Some people are enjoying it before even having it because they're robbing each other for it. An attempt of robbery of a PlayStation 5 was actually caught on camera in BC, in Burnaby. The person who was trying to sell it was, uh, he did not give it up easily. They, he got pepper sprayed, he was attacked, and he just stood by the console fend off five or six guys on his own and uh, was totally fine global bc actually has this report with more detail on what happened Dashcam video shows a man meeting up with a group to sell a ps5 a few weeks ago at brentwood mall the three men bear spray the man then try to take off but the guy fights back grabbing a hold of the person who took the gaming console the other two return a few moments later spraying the seller a few more times before taking off without that ps5 if you're buying and selling anything online with anyone you don't know, uh, be as safe as you can. Uh, yeah, obviously this uh, seems to be something that's happening right now uh, with these consoles. The new PlayStation and Xbox consoles retail for about 600 bucks each. They are sold out at a lot of stores, leading to a big demand on the online market. Huh. 
so that's that's interesting, right? People are being attacked for the the crazy demand of these products. However, I, uh, this is a very Canadian robbery compared to what's happening in the UK because truck drivers in the UK this this sounds like it's out of a Fast and Furious movie are driving. Let's say they have a shipment of 50 PS5s in the back. Well, British gangs are figuring out when those shipments are leaving the warehouses. They are driving up to the trucks at high speed when the trucks are moving, hopping onto the back of the lorry, popping them open and stealing the PlayStations as the trucks are still driving. It's resulted in rollovers. Uh, it's resulted in people crashing. It's absurd. There's one guy who cut a hole in the roof of one of the trucks so he could rappel down and grab wow. the playstations this is insane am i this is insane it's these are going to get restocked in, in, in like three months i mean come yeah. on it's what the heck come on man highway <laughs> highway robbery like <laughs> it's mind-blowing it's like mission impossible like heist stuff it is. It is. I mean, you'd have to be, you have to have the skills of Tom Cruise to pull off, or I guess Vin Diesel to pull off these uh, absurd heists. But I mean, it's the interesting thing for me is that demand is kind of been just exaggerated by the games that are coming out for it and the fact that people are stuck at home and they don't have anything else to do. But really, the differences between the PS5 and the PS4 are not as crazy as the PS3 to the PS4. And I worked at EB Games. I worked in video game stores for those game launches. And I didn't witness any robberies uh, or Fast and Furious style takeovers of wow. uh, buildings. So absurd. That's cool. It's amazing. It's, it really is quite amazing that people are are uh, are going that deep in it. Like, that's... For, but for what? Like, just to flip it on Kijiji? For flipping it. Well, you can sell it for about $2,000. So, so, you know, you make a decent profit on it, but at the well, same time, you make hundred percent profit on it because you stole it. <laughs> uh huh. Touche. That's economics right like, there. Big brain moves here on the shift late <laughs> night. So one last thing, and in case you miss it, and this one is probably going to make you laugh because it's almost like, well, yeah, duh. Google has released its top trending entertainment stories and people of 2020 releases. ABC's Jonathan Nathanson has all of these details. We have a kill. He battled Germans in the movie Greyhound, and he battled COVID-19 in real life. And for that, Google says Tom Hanks was the top trending actor in 2020. Second on the list, but for other reasons, comedian Chris D'Elia, accused of inappropriate behavior by several women. Super Bowl halftime star Shakira was the top trending musician. I'm deadly serious. Oscar winner Parasite, the top trending movie, followed by 1917 and Black Panther. And the top trending TV show. Animal people are nuts, man. Of course, it was Tiger King. Jason Nathanson, uh, uh, ABC News, mm -hmm. Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. I love Tiger yeah, King. Yeah, I, oh, I, I loved Tiger King. That got me through first uh, bit of uh, lockdown. Uh, the one that... I loved was I almost forgot about how incredible the Super Bowl halftime show was in 2020. That's like one great uh, or 2019, I guess uh, that that performance was insane. And people went nuts for that online. Like, I remember I was sitting there's this massive bar in Calgary. It's closed now. Uh, but uh, they're always packed for Super Bowl, at least 150 people in this bar. It's a big bar. And uh the they play the halftime show and people were paying attention to the screens during the halftime show more than they were during the game and that was a good 
uh, Super Bowl game too. People went nuts. People took their chairs and were dancing with the chairs on top of their heads when Shakira came on. It mm. was lovely. Um, she Wolf. Just saying. The video. Google mm. it. Yeah. Google it. Mm. Yep. Google it. All right. Uh, good job. Are we done? We're not talking about whales. No. Do we have time to talk about whales? Because it's pretty cool. I would like to talk about the whale. I was kind of excited about the whale. Let's hit the whale. Matt, do we have time? to? We have time? Okay, so I'll be quick. Exciting news. It appears a new species of whales has been discovered off the coast of Mexico. Never seen before. Lynn Aylesworth has the details. During a 2018 expedition off the west coast of the Baja Peninsula, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, NOAA, recorded an underwater noise that sounded something like this. There was one call that they heard that they didn't recognize, and they thought it might be a parent's beaked whale. It was a guess because no one had ever seen a living parent's beaked whale, and so they gave the sound a name, BW-43, and launched another expedition. We wanted to find the source of the BW-43 sound. We wanted to find parent's beaked whale. Last month, aboard a Sea Shepherd research vessel, NOAA scientist Jay Barlow set sail and soon had the most remarkable encounter of his long career. They surfaced very close to the boat and then they came to us two, three times. They came back to the boat. With their pointed beak-like features, they were clearly beaked whales. But what kind? It became clear we didn't see parents beaked whale. We saw something new something that doesn't match, either visually or acoustically, anything that's known to exist. That they eluded detection could be because beaked whales, of which there are 20 species, are elusive and can stay underwater for as long as four hours. One of the species, the, the deepest dive, has been recorded down to about 3,000 meters. That's three kilometers deep. Exactly what they discovered is still a mystery, for now. If our wishes come true, and if this truly is a new species of beaked whale, it will inspire future generations of scientists. It's, it's like searching for the last mastodon and then finding a unicorn instead. This is, this is fantastic. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Swimming unicorn. Science What rules, is the, man. um, it sounds like, like the narwhal. They're like, we found like the narwhal of the whales. <laughs> yeah, I got that they found the the needle in the haystack with the horn. Oh, it was not a Richard. What was it? Oh, it was a dork. It was a dork, yeah. It was a dork. Mm. That I was trying to think of. You weren't here for the dork, were you? No, he wasn't. The, the blue whale, no. uh, I think it was before Ryan joined the show. The blue whale um wiener. Yeah. Oh, okay, we're going there. The technical term is a dork. Dork. Ah, okay. We learned right. that on the show. So next time you call someone a dork, that's what they are. Oh, linguistics. We're learning about swear words. <laughs> there you go. Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.